welcome to the MetaView Podcast. Hear these non-fungible conversations. They will yield you great knowledge and perspective. But beware, they might also make your brain go boom. So watch your step, because this rabbit hole goes deep. Good luck and have fun. Welcome, welcome, uh, Roberto and Laura. This is the first time we're having two guests at the same time. <laughs> thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Pete, for inviting us. It's also for us the first time that we're actually on, uh, doing something together, uh, although we're always doing everything together. But so actually... This is our first joint interview. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, thank you for having me again. So, for those who don't know, this whole thing got started uh, through them hosting us, actually, like in their in the liminal village. And uh, we'll get to that, or should we even start with that? Now, let's just start with the the, the normal intro. If you want to tell a bit about yourselves. Yeah, yeah, of course. About three years ago, we uh, co-founded Liminal Village co-living and co-creating space in the center of Italy, close to Ascoli Piceno and San Benedetto, for the ones who have been there. And the name is Liminal Village. And we have been uh, hosting people from all over the world, focusing on different subjects. We will maybe get a little bit more into it later, what our different roles are in the village. I mean, but maybe we can say what is the definition of liminal in yeah. itself, because sometimes people don't, don't know that, which is, uh, you know, when you think subliminal or liminal, it's really, it means at the edge, at the edge of uh, a transition. So a lot of people come here to do this transition, mm -hmm. but also we are actually really, we want to be part of the transition that is happening and needs to happen at the global level. That is the socio-economic transition that we will need to see in the next 10 years. Otherwise, uh, well, it doesn't go too well. So what we want is really to invite people to come here and, and together co-create that future we want to see and experience also what others have co-created or have suggested in order to build this culture and, and to build the software and to build this the way of dealing or being with each other that we really want to see. So in a way, Limino is really this uh, experimental ground where every month, basically, we're, we're creating a new community. And depending on the people that come with their experience, with their, well, with their life experience and with their vision of what kind of world they would like to see, they would just leave that contribution and they co-create. Basically, we, we say everybody that comes here is the host and is going to host each other into facilitate each other into manifest what they would like to see. Beautiful. And uh, you want to get a bit into like how you even got the idea? <laughs> that's that's a long story, and uh, yeah, I think that that actually requires the personal introduction. <laughs> so, well, I'm I was born 30 years ago. <laughs> So I say I have 40 years of experience in life and during this time I've been, well, 
I did experience a few things. I tried different things. I, uh, I was living 14 years abroad and uh, I did a PhD in artificial intelligence and I traveled the world and by that you really see the difference of culture and the whole beautiful culture and the difference also of you know economical situations and, and well after being doing the academia I also started a few companies and I noticed that in, in both cases there was something that was driving both the academic world and the industry and that thing was mainly politics and, uh, uh, and money so it doesn't really matter in the industry especially I and in academia as well have been steered by something that goes beyond what you actually want to do what you would like to do and what you would like to see and that's mainly yeah politics and, and money and it's an equal length so I actually experience both situation and they're both influenced in the same way by the same structures so myself at least I really had a, a feeling that we should find or define an, another way that actually then is not driven by these things that basically are controlling us and uh, to create a space that actually will be will allow people to experiment with new ways of thinking and not only that I actually started to, to build some software for communities and I realized that uh, a lot of times people are trying to put technological solution uh, to help to, to make the world a better place but actually what is really needed is the, the actual culture and I felt that just the software was not enough so that we had to make something else where the software could be applicable and you could yeah, do fast iteration uh, in order to actually design it uh, together so that, that's at least from my side and uh, yeah, Laura yeah, maybe for me it was was less of a rational decision and more of an instinctive uh, decision. For me, we were living in the center of Amsterdam and having a really hectic city life, working long hours, you know, really trying to uh, compensate for that in the weekend. It's pretty... Work hard, party hard. Yeah, <laughs> and at some moment I just realized that I, I just had to get out of that, just on a personal level. So I started also to think more in a philosophical way, like, is this the life that we should have? And you see the city life, but also for me, it was really more of a personal decision. I need to get out of this, this hectic, hectic life. And so we kind of took a pretty radical decision and we just left everything in Amsterdam, our, our jobs and our friends, and we bought a house here in the, in the countryside and I have to say in the beginning it was really scary because you're really stepping out of your comfort zone and going into unknown territory and it's been an incredible journey really discovering these fears and uh, we had a lot of obstacles we had to overcome yeah we have learned so much in the last three years compared to the 15 years before that. It's been really incredible. And now I feel that, yeah, things are starting to lift off. More and more people are getting to know our place and we are starting to build a community of people, creating a network. We're also trying to connect with other hubs in Italy. 
and around the globe, but we, we started to visit other hubs locally, we would like to expand on that because that is in the end our goal to connect different hubs and create one big network. Yeah. In fact, the, well, I think it first starts with the personal connection, <laughs> connect to, to the self, right? And then, you know, connect to the environment around you. And that is already a long, long process. So some people ask, why didn't you connect already with the other hubs? I say, of course, we are in touch with some other hubs, but, you know, we first needed to also do our own transition, let's say, in finding our own new center. And I think that that's also what everybody kind of needs to go through when when we're doing this transition, because as I said, it's a cultural transition, not a technological transition. But yeah, establishing connection to the hubs, using technologies, not just to say, oh yeah, we know each other, but actually saying, how can we account, how can we know what one place needed versus the other place? Where How do we know where basically skills are needed and welcome? So yeah, we're investigating all these things, how to develop some sort of framework or a, or a protocol that allows multiple places with multiple mindsets to come together and host people that, that can contribute. And uh, the other hubs are like also doing it in the same way? Yeah, every hub is like a, a person, you know, there's no person that is really the same. Every hub has its own vibe, its own rules, its own vision, its, its own practice. Some are even spiritual, right? So, I mean, we're calling hubs any place where people can pass and stay, basically. So there is no... But, but there is a set of values that is similar, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think, indeed, when we're thinking about culture, it's what kind of culture do we want to see. And there is a common denominator that is like one of the biggest movement that is happening right now, which is this kind of eco-civilization, if you want to call it, right? It's like a civilization that is aligned, more aligned with nature and uh, yeah, it's respectful and sustainable. So yeah, I think that that's kind of like the unspoken ground, common denominator of, of this yeah. regeneration. It's a little bit like the people that come here, everybody is, is very different, but everybody also kind of has the same goal. And same needs. Yeah, and so it is beautiful to explore other hubs and explore with other people to see yeah, what they have discovered and to learn from each other because if every hub or every person has to find everything out by themselves, it's going to take forever. And so we can increase our collective strength by communicating with each other. As a matter of fact, we're looking to live in a village. It's the vibe that we're creating here is like, okay, we're going to experiment with all kinds of open source technologies, both high-tech and low-tech, and really try to satisfy technology that is able to satisfy human needs. So now we have ongoing like projects like a farm bot, precision farming, which is basically taking care of the greenhouse, or some crop, uh, just like you know, the garden that it takes care of itself, in a way, it's just nature, doing what nature does but in the more, we help nature do what nature does. And, you know, also water purification systems so that we can provide water. And, you know, we welcome all kinds of projects that actually can, can create an ecology of solution that can be applicable not only here, but everywhere. So in the end, you can just 
go to um, potentially a website and just simply order your kind of abundant system that is just going to give you everything you need without having and so that you can really pro truly focus on what what your contribution to the world is right yeah sharing that knowledge definitely crucial not just knowledge but yeah, obviously the open source software but you also wanted to say how the like one huge way in which you in which you're different i don't know about the other hubs in italy but uh, like i don't know any other place that uh, hosts people for free i mean it's not free obviously because like you have to do something but it's free in terms of like you don't have to pay with money i think there are other hubs who do that but they usually uh, ask more working hours uh, of the people probably the most successful of this kind of initiatives would be like the roofing initiative which is you basically are hosted at location in organic farms and uh, the deal is that you use four hours of your day or maybe all the day to help out in the farm and that gives you access to, to basically food and shelter and i think that that's interesting at the inception of the new village we thought yeah it's something like boofing but actually not just for organic farm but for anything <laughs> and and then we thought well if you actually perseverate this thing of just saying oh since we're giving you a house then you have to do this then we're not doing anything really different than the previous system is is still a kind of like worker uh, and owner relation that you actually are recreating it's just that there is no actual money involved but here we actually want to give the space and we would like to create a space in a network where people will be able to get free access for what they contribute so right now it's here and potentially with some of the people that we have in our network we, we basically vouch for people that pass here and say hey you should really host these people because they're going to teach you something or they're going to do something that is really important or they're working on something that is very important so in a way it becomes a sort of a vouch network where if you're really doing something that is truly altruistic then you you shouldn't be worried how you're gonna you know pay your rent or your bills or how you're gonna get your next meal i found that a lot of people have brilliant ideas and yet they just cannot execute on them because they haven't given space and because they always has this kind of like financial pressure of surviving that the system kind of imposes on, on people and we just wanted to do something different and so that that's part of that yeah and what we noticed is that just offering a space is a great first step because then people don't have to worry about making money to pay their rent but we also saw that that is not enough so people can have beautiful talents uh, intentions plans and a space but then sometimes they still are blocked and they still have trouble in executing those ideas and so that's where we started to look into like what what is missing and so already since the beginning we we realized that there's a personal component a local and a global that should be in balance so on the personal level you work on whatever is going on inside of you in the local you uh, do something for your environment for your local community 
or uh, for the place where you're staying and for the global you you work with people outside of your community and you try to bring your ideas to create something that can help the planet so this was already there from the start but we were all neglecting a little bit the personal because i think that is maybe in our society we don't focus on that so much now i see more and more people focusing on it but when we go to school or when we are educated by our parents it's not really ingrained in our society to focus on our on our internal state on our emotional state and we saw that by neglecting that basically all the other all the other work is is in vain because you are not balanced and healthy on the inside and that will be reflected in your outside world and so lately we have been also exploring yeah different tools and different different schools where uh, we focus more on the inside and we try also to experiment with that with the people who come here and see how we can help them not only by providing space but also by giving them tools to yeah to integrate themselves on a personal level yeah yeah Lara should should mention she's a she's a medical doctor an anesthesiologist and uh, trained in the pain medicine and uh, yeah yeah um, I, I was working as a doctor in the Netherlands and also here in Italy I continued uh, my work and I I saw a lot of people with chronic pain and that is a very let's say explosive expression of internal imbalance or um, an expression of trauma it can it can reflect all kinds of issues that are going on inside a person so I was already familiar with how that is expressed into disease in the body but as a doctor I I saw that I realized I did not have the right tools to really help the people because in our medical system we, we focus mainly on the treatment of symptoms so suppression of symptoms we always try to oppose a symptom with medication and with operations we wait until somebody is already really sick and then we do something and so yeah I already have a background in looking at the body and and disease and so yeah that was already a starting point for me but I realized that I really had to go into a whole unknown territory to find the answers that I was looking for to help yeah increase the internal health of people in the community right makes sense that's also something that's talked about a lot in the in the Venus project documentaries how the diseases showing like not diseases but like internal stress shows up in diseases or like that's how it manifests and i want to get into that as well but i also want to ask you first about the whole uh, personal local global and the whole uh, hack along format was that uh, like something that you started with or is that like a iterative process like as you were hosting people over time you came up with the whole with the whole structure and how does it uh, work? Yeah, I'd say, okay, so the, the hackalong process is something that we kind of started immediately with it. And uh, we didn't even know we were starting, it just happened. It just came to us in a way or another. But actually, if there is a meme that is actually, I, I retain personally very important, is the, is the fact that, well, we've been pretty much disconnected to nature and that... Uh, that we needed, you have a non-coercive environment where nobody's actually telling you what to do, then it might feel a little bit of 
not dispersive or, or it could be lost in there. So we needed some sort of a, a rhythm, a rhythm that you kind of self-impose on yourself rather than you know a boss or your career. So we pretty much like look up in the sky and the liminal village, the moon is such a beautiful sight setting over the mountains. And uh, we realized that the moon is a sort of like a progress bar. And that is a nature cycle that we're actually talking about. And the funny thing is that the moon cycle is the same everywhere in the world. So it really came like, a, oh, it, it just clicked and we said, haha, we could use the moon as our tam-tam, as our rhythm for the process in which you go from new moon to full moon and it's like a, a progress bar up in the sky that is filling up. And in this moment, you're basically hacking along other people because it's not, there is no final judge that is going to decide who won. Everybody won. It's just about as we come together, we're co-creating around this time. And then after the full moon, basically, there is the kind of breathe out thing, you know, you breathe in and you co-create and you breathe out and you actually converge and create artifacts that you share with the world. And then it starts again, right? So right now we started counting donations from January 2020 and we're now at donation 22. And then you can consider this almost like a, as, a, as a sprint, right? Every, every month or every month you invite more people, something will happen, and you always have this kind of being in and breathing out vibe. And if other people or other hubs around the world want to use the same pattern, so we're not prescriptive, then we basically have an alignment. And it's, it's so much better because we can organize kind of like events where people share what they did, or people can move from a location to the other location around the same time, so you're synchronizing basically arrivals and departures. So there are so many advantages of, you know, realigning, uh, aligning with a cycle, and why not with the nature cycle? All nature is aware about the moon cycle. We kind of forgot since the invention of light, right, of electricity. So it's also a little bit of a representation of actually, yeah, reconnecting back to that, to nature. and. How it breathes. Yeah, and this cycle already naturally coincides with the energy of of a new group starting when you, people come together, and then slowly, it's, you know, first you have an exploratory phase, and then you start slowly getting to into a climax, and then you produce something, and then it's like the wave goes goes down again. And so I think it's a it's a beautiful way of of following your rhythm. That is already in nature, but that is also already within ourselves as humans. You know, you have uh, people that just dream, 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 and they focus on the dream. And so people that say, no, we just need to do, 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 right? And, and in this way, you can say, look, there is time for all of this. It just, and it's not just this month, it's actually at the micro scale and the macro scale as well. So you can see how does it do in terms of years and does it, how does that cycle work? even during the day. But yeah, actually, if you need to talk, talk about years, there is also it's a different cycle, which is the solar cycle. So right now we're basically using solstices and equinoxes to organize 
gatherings across multiple communities. And the last time, basically, even metagame was uh, in, involved. So basically, you can have events that are synchronized. And you know, it's not one organization, it's very decentralized. Everybody can host his own event. It's just, if you align with the period, anybody would be able to jump from one event to the other to the other, if it's online, for instance, as long as there is some sort of a federation that allows people to see what is actually going on at all times. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And also definitely feels uh, a lot more natural than the, like 48 hours uh, hackathon sprints. Yeah, let's not talk about hackathons because, I mean, actually that was, uh, obviously hackathon, that's where actually the concept really, multiple people actually brought together some ideas on how to, to create this process. So we don't get all the credits for this, absolutely. But uh, we have, um, you know, you spend like three days, you don't really sleep, you're really caffeinated with all the Red Bull. You have some great ideas and you really, really work hard because you believe in with your team. And, and what happens is that at the end of the game, there is some judge over there that has never heard of anything of what you're talking about that needs to tell if it actually fits their agenda. So what you actually end up after a hackathon, it could be like you're just poorer because you spend the time and the money to be there. You're very, very tired and you're demoralized. And that's actually the result for the majority of people in a hackathon, right? Well, the, the, the intention is all good there. It's actually all of these projects are important. All of them should be celebrated. Yeah, so we, we thought like, okay, can we do this in another way? Like, can, can we actually, you know, stretch that thing? You know, allow people to get to know each other, stretch that thing between from three days to an entire month, and uh, also let the people be the judge. So let the team that were participating at the hackathon to kind of kudo the other team or like give appreciation to the other team. Of course, beside themselves, who would deserve the best? Right. So you can really have a sort of a decentralized hackathon, even at, at the global level, right? Where yeah, where there is no judge and everybody wins, and uh, we're just doing something good for the planet. Yeah, now you got me thinking about how we could do this in the virtual space as well. Yeah, we got some uh, we got some ideas, uh, and it was some it, it requires some sort of infrastructure. So we've been working on tools basically that you could use to to facilitate that. Some of that is uh, Interspace, it's uh, Holland. Interspace is to connect with the others. Holland is to share the appreciation for the other and potentially the reward. So in practice, if you do have some, some smart contract that is kind of holding a pot and distributing it to what the, the teams are saying they should go to, then projects could get funded by appreciation of other projects. And that, I think, is kind of nice, it's very collaborative and we don't really have a lot of these things in the world. Very, everything is very competitive. I just wanted to say that, yeah, I will, I will want to talk to you more about uh, some of your ideas in terms of how to structure the online version. But I wanted to yeah, go back to the, the Venus project, the Zeitgeist and all of that stuff, like, since I know that uh, partially inspired you and I know it, uh, it definitely inspired me like they were like my favorite documentaries when I was younger and then like when I as I was saying when I got into crypto I kind of expected everyone to have this uh, sort of uh, 
utopian thinking and everybody to have watched these documentaries and think, okay, the blockchain or like Ethereum is like this infrastructure layer for the societies of the future. But then as I got into it, uh, I realized like most people are there from another angle. Like a lot of the people are from the libertarian angle. So like uh, hyper-capitalism rather than post-capitalism. And so like, yeah, when I when I talked to you and uh, it turned out that you're also like very much into those, uh, that kind of stuff uh, earlier, that's, yeah, I, I really loved it because I haven't met many people in crypto that actually <laughs> watch those and uh, think in that way. So yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love to hear uh, more about that from you. Yeah, man, I mean, in a way we're really like <laughs> brothers in that uh, respect because we have lived through the same kind of realizations. Venus Project for me has been an anti-typist movement, or actually to be, because these are just flags of groups, but uh, actually the resource-based economy as a meme, it's something that really uh, influenced my way of thinking and, and basically what I wanted to see happen in the world. And uh, I don't know, for everybody that's not familiar with that, I can give it an attempt at give it, but I will never be able to make it justice because it goes so deep. But you know, to scratch the surface of that, it's really kind of thinking about what are we valuing today? So basically, what is the current operating system of society today? And pretty much like, can we find a different system? Can we upgrade? our system, our way of thinking, or way to operate, or coordinate with each other. And the resource-based economy basically is saying like, okay, let's, let's do like this. Instead of giving value to money, which is something we created, it's a tool we created, pretty ancient technology to think about it, why don't we instead value resources? So when in money you, when, when in the monetary system you are talking about economizing, what you do is you can get like very subpar product or uh, basically kind of obsolescence. You could go to uh, another country with a lower economical power and then basically pretty much like extract value from them. That is economically a good idea. But if you actually value resources and also the human resource, then what actually happens is that instead when you're talking about economizing, when resources is your value system, then, you know, concept like circular economy becomes like, not something nice to do, it becomes integral part of the economy. Sustainability is just what the economy is. As a matter of fact, economy means that, it means just household management. And, you know, do we think that economy is really doing household management right now? I mean, think about it. Earth is our home, it's our only home. It's raping the household. It's, yeah, it's really, this house is a mess. We've been throwing a party for a long time here. And now somebody's going to clean up. <laughs> so I wouldn't call it a party. <laughs> well, well, we've been just you know, completely taking everything. I mean, the fact that the nature is actually considered an externality in our economic system. The fact that you can just take resources and put it on the marketplace and you say, I created value rather than I took value. Right, it's it's just crazy. So I'm I'm getting so angry sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like 
when I, I discovered this concept, I thought like, okay, what am I actually doing? What are we doing? Can we just make this happen? You know, it, it just, this is, this is just a little concept, but the consequence of this concept, right? It's like, okay, if you have resources in the world and you declare them, right? This is common heritage of everybody living on the planet, right? When we actually value resources, then what happens is that the most efficient way to use the resources is first of all local, right? So you build with local resources. And also you don't have to use money to get access to them. You can actually would need to map the, all the resources to the needs of the people and the planet in the most effective way. So it becomes a whole an efficient resource management planning system that is kind of becoming the next operating system for the planet. And, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, there's going to be one operating system for the whole planet. We're just saying like, okay, if the values are aligned, you can have as many as you want. Values aligned, meaning, hey, if we, <laughs> we're living on the same boat, we are on the same island. And if everybody decides, say, if a group decides to cut down all the trees and the other group decides not to do so, well, we're going to have problems. So we kind of need to come and become united into the, the realization that we are all need to take control of the space Earth and drive it together in a way. No. Yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. But I think that if we want to go from raping our households to taking care of our households, we kind of need to first look at why. Why, why did we get to the root cause of why did we start raping our household? Because I think that when you want to change a system, it is really hard to change something if you don't understand why did it go this way in the first place. And I have to say that I hear a lot of people that are really motivated. We're going to change this, we're going to do that, and it's amazing. But I'm hearing little about what is the root cause of this, what is inside what what happened inside of humanity inside of us to create this mess and to understand a little bit more why it happened and so that from there we can sail more smoothly into how to change it it really touches on the personal journey the personal healing the personal healing of the collective <laughs> <laughs> in fact i think yeah, Laura, you said it really nicely. Um, you know, the first one of the, the meaning of life is to heal your own traumas and only and then help others uh, heal, healing their own. I thought it was really, really beautiful. And in practice, our system it works for many, or I say it works for some, but it has been traumatizing many. I mean, all wars, all poverty is completely embedded in our system and and this just a natural kind of emergent when you actually yeah, start with private ownership and you need to get access to resources so what do you do just go there and take it that creates so much traumas to the people and it's just because we have an inefficient system so yeah um, what we actually deeply doing here is really trying to find ways to well first of all heal yourself so that you can heal the culture and then within that culture, find ways to actually have a different way or a different operating system that then you can use it to do what you feel is important rather than 
being imposed to do what you need to do to survive. Right. Yeah, makes sense. And yeah, what uh, what Laura said previously, really getting into the root causes, which uh, yeah, a lot of people are not doing. But uh, yeah, I guess documentaries like the the Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist is kind of. I I don't like recommending it to people anymore, especially because of the first part and so much focus on the conspiracy theories. Although the choice is ours. I agree with you that uh, you know. Talking about conspiracy, you're actually framing uh, yourself into the problem mindset rather than actually just try to look, okay, what is good, what is actually happening out there that is good and how do we scale that up? So actually, indeed, like, I, I found the Venus Project documentaries better in their terms, even they softly touch on the problem, but there actually is really the investigation of, the, of a solution. but. I have to say, I haven't found many solutions that actually get to that length. So I really highly recommend to, to everybody listening to yeah, just type Paradise of Oblivion. Uh, it's a good documentary from the Venus Project. And the, the deeper you get, the more you really understand the proposal. And there's, there's so much that has been put behind this way of thinking. And yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, I think the Venus project goes more into the root causes and I think that's why it's, it's, it's so powerful. But um, what you were saying earlier about the zeitgeist movement, I think that nowadays the conspiracies are, are really based on fear and maybe that's why the zeitgeist is not catching on nowadays because it's not based on fear. I think that's, there's a big difference between conspiracy theories now and the zeitgeist movement. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not, by the way, nothing to say about the Zeitgeist movement. It's a great movement, and they're doing great uh, work on, on education. And uh, the later documentaries are, are also touch very much on the root cause. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, just keep the first one, and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just watch it if you're there. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of useful information yeah. in the later ones, especially if you're a beginner. Into all this, but yeah. So it has been imagined that for me has really led me to quit my own company and start this kind of access-based mindset, in which you're basically saying, look, we don't. It's not that everybody needs to have everything. That's just utopia. But actually, what you can do is that everybody can get access to everything. So it's not that I'm talking about abundance in the ownership way but abundance in terms of access abundance so can we get access to all the things we need including a yacht including a trip to mars you know like i just it's just about the access you don't need to own the yachts you don't want to own the yachts that's too much maintenance <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is the way of thinking and you know and in a way in our little we're trying to manifest such a thing to reconnect to why is this free uh, because we really want to also have a little bit of an experiential and create more of that kind of world. So we already made the transition. It's all about how many people choose to make the same transition. The more there are, the more access you can get. Yeah, this one of the big ideas, the, the libraries of things and how people like don't need the ownership so much as access and how like everybody buys things but then does, like, doesn't use them for most of the time. I think this would be awesome. 
yeah if everything that is not used would be shared <laughs> we have but it was so much i mean think about it in southern italy there are like 40 percent of houses that are without in, in, inhabited some are just holiday houses some are just ruins some some are just store of body but and can you imagine all the kind of like uh, social enterprises that could be hosted for free, even in old dying villages, just say, oh, let's turn this into a startup village. And everybody that's doing stuff that is just good for the world doesn't have to pay to be here. If you're doing stuff for profit and return your profit to investors, then yeah, get your own house. But here, it's done, uh, we can actually build a community which synergizes the projects. So that's a little bit also the vision of the village uh, and, and trying to facilitate uh, location, houses, pods, villages, monasteries, whatever it is, to come together and uh, give access to projects like, uh, yeah, like Maker Game and uh, or water purification systems or anything that is needed, anything that, that people recognize the need for it. You're right. Yeah, and I feel like Italy is really is one of the places where that is possible, where, yeah, you could literally get a whole small village that's mostly abandoned and do something like that. And it's not like somewhere out uh, in the in Africa or somewhere. Yeah. Well, the village usually the getting a village that is abandoned usually means that there's a lot of innovation works to be gone at first. So actually, that would be the first need for the village, for builders and for permaculture designers to really kind of like restore the village. But I'm even thinking about different things like, hey, we do have these 3D printers that can use local material like clay and rice and hand to actually just print out a village in a couple of days. So what are we talking really about here? You know, it's like, uh, yeah, can we make a network, not only a regeneration, but hey, creating new places that are now designed with sustainability and efficiency right from the start, right? It's much easier to do that than go to an old village and rebuild it. But then again, it's, yeah, the whole village has its own character, right? So totally worth the, the effort. Yeah, there's pros and cons on both sides. With the existing village, it would probably also be easier to like collaborate, quote unquote, with the government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some would be very happy, and uh, some would actually, I don't know, potentially get threatened. From what I understood, the people that are trying that is that, yeah, it, it, it can be very challenging, but once you gain the trust of the local community, uh, beautiful things can happen, and they really start to appreciate what you're doing for their economy and yeah but it takes a lot of time in communicating with the locals definitely it's not it's not easy yeah i feel like the more challenging part might even be like the the government itself like getting like if you wanted to print a village like getting all the permits and things like that that sounds like it would be a nightmare ah we just need to have a permit for the one house and then duplicate that <laughs> That's how villages get created. Once you know which paperwork to fill in, then yeah. it gets easier. Especially in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, this is uh, for the dream for the future. Yeah. But uh, you know, once you sold that house uh, and call it installed, 
what kind of mindset do we welcome? Are we just printing houses to sell it at market prices, or are we actually are we actually a network that are kind of like spreading open source technologies that kind of bring everybody local food and re start to recreate communities? Because actually, ultimately, I think that's one of the biggest issues. The current operating system, monetary system, it's so efficient that basically says, I developed this hack once and you say, okay, you, you just have to say what you need and then on the back, something will happen and will manage to get it to you. But the people will actually look in this hack for a job or for money, which is like, that's not what you need, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the thing is, people have considered money as such an important and powerful tool that now has become yeah the only thing you need and if that's the case it means you do not need community because if you do have money you can get anything you want you'll pay for the plumber you'll pay for the food you'll pay for your accommodation and your rent and the bills and everything but once you actually remove money then you realize like oh we need to reconnect in a community level and we need to really establish connection at the personal level of mutual support and solidarity and I think that uh, a transition to a game B would be so much about that. It's so much about regaining, reconnecting with each other and regaining trust. So it would be really about network of trust. So it's not about the Internet of Things, it's really about the Internet of People. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. It's really not about technology. Technology doesn't save the world. It's you know, technology doesn't do anything, it's, it's, at the end it's people, you know. And all people have similar needs, whatever they are, whatever their culture, whatever their orientation, anything. It's the needs are common, so let's focus on addressing this first and then build from there. And, and focus on the higher and higher level of the, the pyramid of needs. So yeah. money destroys communities, so how do we rebuild them? Great question. And I feel like it's also a good note to end it on with uh, yeah, talking about uh, how the technology doesn't really save the world, since that's like what kind of all of our focus here is like we're so focused on technology, expecting that to be like the solution to all the problems, but yeah, it's not really. Somebody would do it. <laughs> but we do kind of need better operating systems for communities. Yeah. <laughs> we decided that, you know, like, okay, what are the processes to upgrade our operating system? Is there any way to do so? And for me, the answer to that question has been like, okay, let's just do it for ourselves first and see whoever wants to get that update over the other update. So I think in the next 10 years, we'll see an ecology of this kind of things happening where your mobile phone becomes the access to the economy and you join not only one operating system, but multiple operating systems that are going to be able to provide for uh, the things you need with a certain or uh, another kind of mindset behind it. I'm really looking forward to see that and to be able to co-create part of that at least. Exciting times ahead. Oh yeah. And I loved your, loved your idea of like starting really simple with like a digital notice board in, inside the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, creating tools that are going to be able to be used by the villagers 
and we're not talking here about just building a village, but even the small rural areas. And the thing is always this kind of like digital gap. How do people get adoption on this kind of thing? So, yeah, one of the idea was like, okay, let's make a, a community. So let's put all these tools, all these amazing technologies that we're developing using blockchain and so on, and just put it behind something that everybody understands and kind of like a, a digital billboard. Everybody passes there, and then if you want to interact with it, you find a way, and in slowly you basically onboard it onto a peer-to-peer -peer network of provisioning of goods and services. So yeah, that's some of the projects we're working on, and uh, yeah, we're gonna try to install it in the little dying villages around the earth as much as possible. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Yeah, I wish you the best of luck with that, and I hope to be able to implement some of that in the in the villages in Croatia at some point. Yeah, for sure. Digital and physical. We can do also the digital villages, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we're building with, uh, at MetaGame. But uh, yeah, so much focus on digital still. I really, I'm really looking forward to moving into the physical stuff. Yeah, it's both. <laughs> we can have out on that side. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're the first uh, physical guild that we onboarded. Now we have the first physical location. <laughs> Alright, yeah, this was this was fun. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah. Thanks uh, for bringing us out of our home. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm happy to do it. And uh, yeah. Keep in touch. You have a nice day. You too. Ciao. Ciao.